0: Um, I have I definitely have a word for us this morning Um, there is uh, uh, been a very clear theme that's Uh, been taking place for me in the scriptures over the last several weeks, and uh, our experience took me deeper into it. It started before that, where the Lord was speaking to me about it, but um, I I have had, uh, first of all, some of us have a, um, the way that we interpret the unseen world happens more dramatically than others. How many know that there is a spiritual dimension to life? There is. Uh, It's not just practiced in religion. There is an experience that is around us. There's a dimension to life, a a spiritual dimension that is beyond the seen realm. Angels and demons are real. The spiritual dynamic of the impact of your life on others is real. There's intangible things taking place. We serve a God that we cannot see, but he very much is real, and he very much is interacting with creation. That There is a realm that's there, and, and there, uh, through gifting, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and really just how people are created, some are tuned into that realm in dramatic ways. All of us experience it, and I do want to encourage you today. If you have the Holy Spirit of God within you, The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. If you've been sealed for the day of redemption by his presence, if you've become the temple of the Holy Spirit, he is the gift and the way he manifests is through supernatural manifestations. Prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discernment of spirits, the gift of tongues, right? The faith, healing, miracles. These things are manifestations of the reality of the Holy Spirit living in your life. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the access to him who manifests in all of those nine different ways which means every single person in here can prophesy every single person in here can minister healing every single person in here can function in miracles every single person in here can have the gift of tongues every single person in here can discern spirits every single person in here can have faith everything do i need to keep going because it's the holy spirit who's the gift it's not the manifestation that's the gift But what that means is that some have, uh, through through natural means, through the way that they are wired in the part of the body that they play, the, the way that God just created, some will have a natural propensity towards the more of like the seeing side of spiritual experiences. And so while one might have a vision, another person will be experiencing the exact same spiritual dynamic, however, they'll feel it it'll be discerned as if you walked into a room and there was a funny smell in the air. And you couldn't tell the reason why. You're not quite sure. You just know something's off. While another person might dramatically recognize something is off through sight or through an impression or through word of knowledge, these kinds of things. It's not that all of us can't see. It's just that some people have a higher propensity towards it through giftedness. but all have access. Yes. Let me prove it to you this morning. is not that the topic, but I, I want to touch it before we move on. Uh, close your eyes. Trust me, I'm not going to throw like a water balloon at you or anything <laughs> like that. But just close your eyes for a second, and I am going to say a phrase, and I want you to imagine it, okay? Pink. Flying. Elephant. Can you see it? Raise your hand if in your brain right now you can see it. Raise your hand if you're not going to raise your hand this morning no matter what I say. (laughs) Okay. Every single, you can open your eyes now. Every single person in here could see it. Welcome to the seer dimension of spirituality. God gifted every person Everyone has the ability to imagine. We call it imagination, but it's the sanctified playground of the spirit realm interacting with the, with the natural. As your mind is renewed, as you're walking with the Lord, that place of what you would call imagination is also the place where the Lord drops impressions, where visions get seen initially, where you begin to see and perceive things that are beyond just what you're seeing with your eyes. There's a spiritual dimension to what you are perceiving. When a person intentionally turns their heart towards the Lord to walk with him, to hear his voice, that reality, that seer dimension, that that realm of your ability to recognize and perceive and imagine, put pictures to words, that part of you, when you're pursuing the Lord, becomes a place where God communes and communicates. Many of you have had visions and you didn't even know it. Anybody in here ever had a dream? How about a dream that's repeated? Anybody? Same dream multiple times. Hey, welcome to hearing from God. It's not just your soul and it wasn't pizza and pickles. Right? There is a dimension to our lives that goes beyond the natural. And In that dimension, we have opportunity to see, to perceive, and where the Holy Spirit will actually speak to us about what's going on. Now, in the last four weeks, I have had a vision every time I close my eyes. It's been very odd. It's not something that I have experienced like all the time. This is a different thing, okay? So yes, your pastor's weird, okay? (laughs) But you like my weirdness sometimes. (laughs) I know, I'm telling you, you like my weirdness. (laughs) Okay, in in that space, I've been having this continual picture, this image that the Lord's been showing me. It is our community walking together with great things in front of us. And in the midst of our path, a huge tornado dropped down over us whirlwind of like winds, contrary winds, not winds that are pushing you in the right direction, but winds that make you confused, winds that just throw stuff off. you If you try to figure out what's going on by looking up, you end up like more confused, like what the heck is going on? As I'm looking at this thing, I'm recognizing, oh, this is this is distraction, this is pain, this is confusion. There's all sorts of elements in this that don't bring clarity, but rather are, are the kind of things that pull you off of a path. And I'm looking before me, and there is the path. It still remains. It hasn't changed. Nothing has changed. It's just there's contrary winds surrounding you right now. It's kind of what our nation's going through. Just, whoo, what in the world just happened. But I'm looking before us and this is what I keep seeing so vividly. There is a path before us that is without wind. It's almost like a tunnel. Just right through. Just right through. And what keeps coming to me and what the Lord keeps communicating me, saying to me, don't get distracted by everything that's going around. Just put your head down and walk out what I already told you to do. You'll walk right through it. You'll walk right through it. Don't get confused by circumstances. Don't get distracted by circumstances. Remember what he already told you and just keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Don't get confused. Right now is not the time to make major life decisions because feelings are confused. Don't do that. You'll get sucked right up and woo, you'll be on a new path. No, no. You have the truth. You possess him. He's with you. He has not forsaken you, even though maybe it feels a little hard to hear his voice at times. Nope. Remember what he has said and just walk the path out. Don't get distracted by the signs of the times. Nope. They're not signs of the times. You're not. You're experiencing a storm. You're experiencing demonic winds that are attempting to pull people off the path of life. Put your head down. Look ahead. Remember what he said to you. Keep walking it out. If you put your head down, if you don't get distracted by the, all the craziness of the times, if you just remember what Jesus has already told you, just put, go ahead and just keep walking it out, one foot in front of the other. Don't get all emotionally you know, whipped around by circumstances and stuff. And just let it be. Walk right ahead. You'll walk right through it. You'll walk right through it. For the uh, for those who are tuned into these kinds of things, that'll be happy news. For my theologically astute friends this morning, don't worry. We're about to walk through the scriptures in that way. So, you guys ready? When we talk about spiritual warfare. The very phrase spiritual warfare. Warfare is resistance, and the word spirit is wind. It is literally wind resistance. It's all spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare is a headwind coming against you that is contrary to what God told you to do. That's it. If you stick your head up out of the sunroof while going 100 miles an hour, you're going to have a, a, an awakening. <laughs> you are going to have an experience, all right. It's the kind of experience you don't like to have, right? Wind resistance is not a good thing when you're attempting to walk forward and follow a path. Wind resistance, spirit resistance, wind resistance is not something you fight against. It's something that you duck behind, you get out of. You don't, you don't rage at the wind, you get out of the wind, Wisdom is the process of aligning with Christ and getting out of the wind. You're not trying to take the resistance on. You don't buff up and go, I'll fight you, wind. No, just get out of the wind. Are you alive? I I felt really strongly today um, that I was to talk about how the Lord Jesus has created a path of life for us to walk in and through called the day of rest, the Sabbath, that makes room for sons and daughters of God to live their lives in his kingdom of peace, experiencing the life flow of heaven in such a way that makes the world nervous but does not require the sweat of your brow or the raging against the machine or the political opposition. It doesn't require any of that. It requires you to enter into that day of rest, to get out of the wind, to allow Christ to become your shelter. And if you will take upon him his yoke, then oh my life gets a lot more fun. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I brought with me a little uh, illustration here. This is my first backpack, okay? I bought it when I was 18 years old. It's in great condition because right after I bought it, I broke my back. <laughs> it wasn't the backpack's fault. This is a nice backpack. I, uh, I, but in the experience of purchasing the backpack, you know, I went, I went into an outdoor store. I talked to the sales rep. I'm saying, hey, this is my intention. It's gonna go on a you know, four or five day you know, uh, mountain type tracks, those kind of experiences. Right. And, and so, uh, he suggested this pack. I was like, Oh, it looks like a great pack. It'll work for what I'm trying to do. And I took it home and I laid out all of, I purchased it. I didn't just take it. Um, I bought the pack. I took it home. I laid out all of the things that I'm going to need in order to do a three, four day track, this kind of thing. And I put it all in the backpack and then I put it on my back. And it was not a good experience. I tried, you know, because you have to build up your your trail legs. Like, this is not just like, you don't just go on a several hundred mile, you know, trek. Right? You you should probably work out a little bit. You should probably get some things in order. I, I... choose to fill the backpack. I choose to get it ready. And then I put it on and I attempt to do some walking. I attempt to try it. And I found that in the midst of that, oh my goodness, my shoulders are killing. My back is hurting. My, I, I'm, I'm in misery. Not fun. And I'm thinking there's no way I can do this. But I remember the guy said, let the backpack do the work for you. Right? I remember the phrase, let the backpack do the work for you. I remember the phrase that he's saying, this is a good pack. But it's because I put the backpack on, I'm feeling all the weight of the backpack, you know, I'm silently cursing him under my breath. (laughs) That lying little, he got me to buy this one, blah, you know, but something keeps ringing in the back of my head. There's nothing wrong with the pack. There's nothing wrong with the pack. The pack is a good pack. So what does that mean? If the pack is a good pack, it is designed to carry the load that I am supposed to carry. It's perfect. It's actually an excellent pack. Let the backpack do the work for you, right? I can hear the sales reps, voice. My, and so I put the backpack on, and then I notice something. Anybody else notice? I mean, like, how many freaking straps do you need? right? I'm thinking, oh, it's to make it look cool, right? No. No, you know what these straps do? They adjust the load. There's nothing wrong with the pack. So I begin playing with the straps, right? I have the It's loaded. I begin to mess around with the straps, and pretty soon I notice that with every yank or pull on the straps, it adjusts where the weight is setting. Put that hip strap around, get it good and cinched down, adjust the weight. Pretty soon, I am carrying, you know, the 30, 40-pound pack. And I can't feel it on my shoulders. My back, it feels supported and good. And all of the weight is just sitting right on those hip bones where it's padded and it doesn't, I feel nothing. It's like, oh, I think I can do this. The journey of adjusting the pack is the journey that Jesus is attempting you to take you on. The journey of adjusting the pack is the journey of maturity in Christ. Adjusting the straps on your life is the difference between having joy in the journey or you being in anxiety. The difference between carrying it correctly where the weight is supposed to be carried and you being in pain is mindsets, it's how you think about things. It's, it is how your journey of trust in Christ takes you into this place where he says to you, oh, child, I'm with you in the journey. Let me show you how to carry this load. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Never. He designed you, He created you. There's nothing wrong with the pack. Okay, repeat after me. There's nothing wrong with me. This is Matthew 11:28. 28. Matthew 11:28. 28. Put it up on the screen there, yeah. Uh, we're gonna read through verse 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a good thing, yeah? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Not a bad deal. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hmm. Did he say that he would take the yoke off of you? No. No. There's nothing wrong with the pack. If you're experiencing anxiety, fear, pain because of experiences in your past, it's not because you are unable. It's because you're carrying it wrong. Let Jesus teach you how to carry that. He didn't cause the pain. He didn't cause the evil. He was right there with it, though, and he has given you grace, and that grace will adjust how you're carrying it if you allow him, if you allow him to speak to you about those experiences in your life. If you allow him, if you allow yourself to visit memories that are distinctly painful. See, if you carry unforgiveness in the way that you're currently carrying it, it will kill you. It will destroy your life. If, however, you'll adjust the pack, you'll let Jesus take the burden of it off of you. See that that little adjustment right there? That's mercy. It didn't change the fact that you went through that experience. The memory isn't going to go away. However, the way you carry it from this point forward will change. You got to let Jesus adjust how you're carrying things. How do you know if something's wrong? How do you know if, whoa, I think I'm carrying this incorrectly? Anxiety, pain, stress, these kinds of things. They're all signals that a strap needs to be adjusted. I, I used to believe, I, and it was, a, it was a journey for me. See, the journey of... Not embracing pain, but realizing that pain is not the enemy. See, that's been a journey for me. I broke my back very early on in life, lost functions in my legs, had to go through major surgeries, have been through this journey of pain since I was 15. And I didn't realize actually what a blessing it would be to me because the adjustments that I've needed to make in life as a result of the pain have brought great blessing to me. My enemy wasn't the pain, it was how I was carrying my life. As the Lord spoke to me, as I embraced what he was saying. See, I carried the death of my mother and her passing away from cancer at an early age in my life. I carried the resentment of it, of I have children now who would love a grandmother but don't have one, and cancer took them away, and I could carry that sting as bitterness, and I could carry it as a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, and I could carry it, and I could pretend like that's the weapon against cancer that motivates me to somehow bring change, but it's not true. It's just cancer killing me. It's just hurting me. How you carry the experiences in life will determine your experience in life. And Jesus said to you that he wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you rest for your souls. And so if it is weary and heavy laden, then he's asking you to learn from him because he knows how to carry heavy loads and make them easy. He didn't say he would take the load off of you. He told you that he would teach you how to carry it. Come on, church. I got good news for you today. You're going to leave here today without that heavy load. Some of you today are going to get deliverance. I mean, like the Holy Spirit's going to touch your heart. He's going to help you, and boom, everything's going to change. Others, you're going to walk away with a little bit of equipment and you'll go away and you'll tweak your pack and you'll realize, wow, one pull on that strap and boom, everything changed. Jesus is good, isn't he? There are some really simple keys to this. I just want to walk you through them. One of the main keys, I already said it to you, but uh, I just want to repeat it again. One of the main truths something that you gotta man you gotta get this in your soul is that there is nothing wrong with you oh god why did you make me this way listen the pot doesn't say to the potter why did you make me this way no no he designed you he created you with purpose that's the wrong question The question isn't, oh God, why did you make me this way? That's not the right question. You need to start with the answer. The answer is, there's nothing wrong with you. There is He he doesn't make trash. There's nothing wrong with me. Okay, how about this one? You are not on the wrong path. Oh, if I just would have made that decision earlier in life. Wow, what a bunch of garbage you're believing. What a lie you got duped into. Nope, you're on the right path. You're on the right path. Okay, repeat after me. Nothing wrong with me. I'm on the right path. You didn't make a wrong turn. Yes, you're in a storm, but if you'll just keep walking forward, you'll walk right through it. Hmm. This is uh, James chapter 1. It's a verse that you'll know, but sometimes I think perspective is helpful. It's James chapter 1 starting in verse 2. If you ever wondered at this verse, this is it. Okay, Consider it all joy when you encounter a trial, a hard time, a difficult experience. Now, how in the world can you ever... I mean, unless you're a sadist. (laughs) Like, if you like pain, there's actually something wrong. Right? Pain was, it's a signal. It was created by God. And this is, I I just want to, I want to sew this into your theological point of view. Adam and Eve experienced pain. Nerve endings were created. If you touch a hot stove, it communicates that you should make a life change. I guarantee that Adam and Eve were tilling that soil, and Adam bonked his toe. The little one, not the big one. The big one I can handle. The little one is the problem. Walking along. Okay, anybody in here ever done this? You catch the little toe on the coffee table leg. Like, what in the world? Do I have a death wish? Why am I walking this close to a coffee table in the first place? But you catch the little one, and... Boom, it puts you on the ground. Okay, Adam had that experience. Why would God create the ability for human beings to experience pain? Because it's not evil. It communicates. The journey isn't the elimination of pain. The journey is the adjustment of life. Pain communicates, tells you, hey, you ought to do that differently next time. Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results, so that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you consider the trials burdensome, right, if they cause anxiety and stress, fight or flight will kick in. You'll fight against it, rawr, right? You'll think your boss is the enemy, take him to task, and you'll be finding a new job. Right? If it fills you with flight, right, fight or flight. So if you fight against it, wow, this is going to be a hard go. If you run away from it, you won't learn anything. And by the way, if stress, anxiety, pain, all this stuff has entered into your current job situation, can I tell you that it's not the job that's the problem? But how you are approaching it, your attitude towards it, your sense of expectations, of what you deserve, all that stuff is determining your experience. It's all how you are perceiving, it's how you are thinking. Jesus said if you are humble like him, if you'll go low, if you are contrite in spirit, the load gets light and easy and there'll be joy in it. You'll learn some things, you'll grow in endurance, you'll be able to carry that load without any problem. All of it is how you carry the load. The job isn't the problem. The manager isn't the problem. The people you work with aren't the problem. None of that is the problem. It doesn't mean that they're easy people. It doesn't mean that you have to like them and become besties, okay? But I am telling you that your stress, anxiety, and pain are all being caused by how you are carrying it, not by them. They're not the problem. It's how you are thinking about it. (laughs) Joy is not the product of ease. Joy comes from a correct perspective. Consider it joy when you encounter the trial. Okay, the trial means it's not easy. And joy didn't come because it was easy, Or because of the pain, joy came because of your consideration, how you considered it. Do you want to have a life filled with joy or not? Do you like being anxious? Do you like being stressed out? Do you like that stuff? I mean, come on. We've already proven it kills people. So why would we continue to embrace it? Right? So instead of treating it like luggage we got to carry around, the cross we got to bear, let's learn from Jesus who is humble. In other words, humility means I am not considering myself better than the situation. Man, this one is a struggle for people. I deserve better. That statement ruins so many marriages. That statement destroys home life. That statement destroys careers. I deserve better. You don't deserve anything. Jesus deserved the King of Kings, Lord of Lords status while he walked the earth. And this is what happened to him. He got persecuted and destroyed. But now in heavenly places, ah, he's been promoted. The life of the believer is one that chooses to walk in humility and allow the Lord to be the one that promotes. Your status in life is not the goal. Man, you're going to need to re-listen to this sermon. Don't worry, it'll be on a podcast. <laughs> Stress is caused by how you, what you believe. It's not caused by your circumstances. Adjust the strap. You've got to see a lot of people get nervous looking at their watches. Just think how the 11 o'clock service is going to go, man. they got a, they got a Vikings game to contend with. They're going to be like, ooh, is he done yet? I'm close, don't worry. Okay. Why do people get divorced? Why do people get divorced? Contention, stress, expectations that aren't met, all sorts of things destroy relationships. You got together in the first place, and unless it was an arranged marriage or you felt like there was a shotgun pointed at your head, right, why'd you end up in it? You chose it. Why'd you choose it? Because there was something good there to begin with. How did it get destroyed? Stress, contention, anxieties, fears, all these kinds of things. Can I tell you what kills marriages? What kills marriages is wrong expectations. What kills marriages is the idea that you deserve better. Your imagination is killing marriages. But if you consider something with joy... You'll embrace the process, and you'll grow through it, and you'll become a better person, and love won't leave. When you change your name from single to married, man, is that a journey. If you've ever gone through this process, okay? Now, Nicole and I went through it very early on, right? But it was still difficult. But I can't, I'm just, I'm imagining a 40-year-old going through it for the first time and how difficult this transition will be. I'm not saying it's going to be, no, it's going to be hard, okay? Listen. (laughs) The reason why going from single to married is difficult for anyone is because it is the laying down of a previous identity to embrace a brand new identity. And in that process, you discover how selfish you are, because the call to marriage is the call to lay down your life for another person. Marriage works because you choose to stop having a previous identity, and you embrace a new one. You have to die to your old life. And people don't like to do that. And so the covenant, that's why I've said to you guys in the past, let the covenant do the heavy lifting. Make the covenant a reality that the covenant works. There's nothing wrong with the covenant. You got to adjust the straps. Okay, I don't need to go buy a new backpack. There's nothing wrong with the backpack. However, how I'm carrying it might need to be adjusted. So you get into a covenant, you're in a marriage, you go from single to married. Guess what happens? There is a load that's attached to that thing. You gotta die. Your old nature has gotta change. You're gonna have to embrace life in a totally different way. And people have a difficult time with that. Just wait till you have kids. Woo, buddy, you don't know nothing till you have children. I love young, like married couples that they're they like they want to teach a marriage class. Oh, God bless you. We've been married three years. We would like to teach a marriage class, Pastor. I love you. I cannot wait to see how this goes. Let's do it. (laughs) It's going to be so awesome. First child, right? You got a baby and you're ready to teach parenting classes. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. Let's do it. I can't wait for you to teach that marriage class and that parenting class. Your first child is an education. Because you, if you have embraced from singleness to marriedness, okay, your name changed, if you've embraced that, you went through a death and you know now the pathway. Because when you go from being a married couple with no children to now having children, when you change your name to becoming a parent, father, mother, when you embrace that, what that means is death to self. Death. That's what it means. Lifelong chains. (laughs) Burden that will never leave your house. (laughs) They moved out, yeah, just wait till they have to build their first house or they have to, any kind of life. Man, they're going to be living with you forever, all right? (laughs) I got eight of them. Austin, you're in the same boat, dude. This is why you bought a bigger house, because even though they're leaving the roost, you know their families are going to be moving in soon. <laughs> Parenting is not a, I signed up for, I got a dog. And at any time you want, you can just give it to the Humane Society. Okay. Pet adoption, whatever. You need to get out of it because you want to. Okay, that's not the way parenting works. Okay, parenting means death to self. It's another journey towards how selfish you really are. It's the expression of, wow, you are self-centered. That's what it is. Going from one to two children. See, with one child, one of the parents can get away with it. They didn't have to change. See, when you have one child, the mom takes them for the first you know year. Like there's this process, there's an easing into it. With two children, guess what? Both of you have signed up for duty, right? The one that sort of skirted the edges of responsibility now is full on into it. Otherwise, we're gonna have what we call marital issues. (laughs) And you're gonna come see me. And I'm already giving you the counsel right now. Ready? Here's your counsel. You want marriage counseling from me? Here it is. Die. <laughs> You're more selfish than you can possibly imagine, and you need to die. That's your problem. Two children to three children. Woo, here we go. Right? You know what that journey's like? That journey's like learning how to have teamwork because while you were on man to man defense before, now you got zone. And I love people who talk to me about, oh, having three kids is the same as having eight. You know nothing, you fool. You know nothing. (laughs) Your process of stress and pain are completely controlled by your willingness to adjust your beliefs and expectations. That's it. And Jesus' grace is sufficient, and He will help you. He'll speak to you. He'll touch your heart. He'll transform you. Listen, bad experiences in your past are the same way. See, I'm getting you laughing, but I'm really saying some deep truths here. Please embrace them. If you ever, you've heard the statement like, if you point your finger at somebody, you have four more pointing at you. That's a true statement. See, if you blame anyone for your personal experiences, There's no one to blame there. They caused me pain. Okay. So we have a moment of pain, but you're carrying it 30 years later. They are not to blame for 30 years of carrying it. They're not the source of your pain. They were the source of your pain in that one experience, and it was horrible, and I'm really sorry that you went through it, and there's no excuse for it, and Jesus will touch and he will heal that. But the 30 years of carrying that pain with you, my friend, that is you choosing it. The lies telling you that you, this is a cross for you to bear. No, it is not. His yoke is light and burdenless. Learn from him. He is humble. Humility means I don't expect anything else out of life. I'm here. I'm going to embrace the journey. I'm going to embrace the trial with joy. Why? Because every time I go through something and it's hard, I know that if I learn to adjust to carry it with joy, on the other side, I will have increased faith. I'll have upgrade in my life. My life will get better. I will become stronger. I will walk away with equipment, with experiences and grace, with life abundant in me. I will walk away with tools how to help other people. I bump into somebody that's gone through that same situation and I've already walked through it with joy and Jesus gave me that equipment. He taught me how to carry this load. I can now talk to you and I can help you to carry the load with ease instead of letting it kill you. Welcome to ministry in healing. See, this process of healing, all of the healing has already been provided for in Christ. It's all there You have to receive it. You have been healed by his stripes already. The healing is already present. Our, the way we approach it, the way we believe, the way that we are carrying it, that is what is determining whether that healing can manifest or not. You have been healed in Christ. There is healing in the body. But I don't want to get to know new people because I'm afraid they're going to hurt me. My friend, this is the process of healing. I don't want to get married again. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, this looks like a load that's burdensome. I wonder what Jesus would say about that. Why don't we ask him? Why don't we let him walk through this process of healing with you? He has never left you and he has never forsaken you. And repeat after me one last time there's nothing wrong with the backpack which would be a weird clip for social media because there's no context, but (laughs) there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't make a wrong turn. You might be in a storm you gotta walk through, okay? You might be in a storm you gotta walk through. Remember what he said. Put your head down. Don't make these crazy decisions. It's time to quit. The great, you know, recession or quitting or whatever they call it now, the great... Resignation, I think is what they're calling it right now. Everybody's quitting right now because they all went back to work after a year off and then decided that they don't like the process of having to work. (laughs) Can I tell you that when you go back into an environment, it's difficult. The adjustments are difficult. Nothing wrong. If you chose to leave your job, fine. But you're going to get to find another one, and you're going to get to go through the whole experience again. You were created to work. Created for it. It's part of the joy of your process. Like, don't abandon that. There's calling in it. But the stress of all the transition, friends, it's expectations. It's your choices. Adjust the hip straps. Let a little tension off your shoulders. Let's carry the load correctly. Humility. Any situation can be received with joy, even the most horrid. Bump into a happy prisoner. Talk to somebody who's been through a world of craziness and pain, and you would expect their life destroyed, but if they have a smile on their face, chances are they've learned how to carry it. There's something to learn there, isn't there? Marvel at someone facing terrible waves of grief, but experiencing joy in the midst of it? Hmm. I wonder what happened there. Learn from Jesus. Just stand to your feet today. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to just listen to this passage of scripture. This is Isaiah 53. I'm going to read it to you and then we're just going to pray. Okay. This is the prophecy of our Lord. Isaiah looked to the future and he saw Jesus, and this is what he saw he was despised, he was forsaken by his friends, he was a man of sorrow. He knew grief. He was the kind of person that people hide their faces from because they don't want to look him in the eye. We didn't have any esteem for him, but surely it was him who carried our grief. He put our sorrows on his back. We thought he was stricken. We didn't esteem him. We thought maybe he was smitten by God or afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening, his stripes for our well-being, the whip, it all fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed all of us have been like sheep who've gone astray each one's turned to his own way but the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him come to me all who are weary and heavy laden I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle I don't force my way I am humble, I don't expect much out of it. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning for the divine exchange to take place. The weights and cares, anxieties and stresses and pains. Lord Jesus, we come before you, the throne of grace, and I'm asking, Lord, for the divine exchange. Okay, here's how the divine exchange goes. You give him your pain and he gives you his yoke. What that looks like today is we are asking him, Lord Jesus, how do you see my situation? Would you please speak to me about it? Help me to see it differently because clearly the way I'm seeing it is causing anxiety and stress. And so Jesus, would you help me see it correctly? Okay, that's your prayer this morning. Come on, just pray it right now. Jesus, help me to see things the way you see them. I don't want the stress anymore, I don't want the pain, I don't want the anxiety of it, the hardship of it. I want joy. And so Jesus, I give you my perspective. Would you please give me yours? (sighs) Holy Spirit, I pray that you would visit each one, that you would speak to them, that you teach them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that tonight in dreams and visions, Lord, as they go on their journey, that this would haunt them, Lord, that they would not be able to move past it, that there's nothing wrong with the backpack, there's nothing wrong with them, and they're not on the wrong journey. It's just how they're carrying it. So, Holy Spirit, would you help them to carry it correctly? Help them, Lord, to see where adjustments need to be made. Help each one of us, Lord, to see the way you see. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I speak peace over each one. Peace to you. Torment demonic torment that's attached to this stuff. In the name of Jesus, the Lord rebuke you. Get off of them. Leave them alone. By the blood of Jesus, we cancel the enemy's assignment around this and the lies that are continually raging over them. I break the power of those things this morning, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help each one of us. Empower us, Lord. Give us grace. And bless your people today. May the Lord bless you and keep you May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and grant you peace. And everybody who dared to agree with that said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord?